Hebrews chapter 2, if you want to turn there. What a great day, right? I mean, there's something about Easter, and yeah, you know, there's a lot of cultural stuff about Easter, but man, there's just something different about it uh, for us, and um, you may not have grown up in like a a church uh, tradition of some sort. I did, Um, and a couple of things I could always count on Easter Sunday. one, our family would have, um, like, they would have like these fights with boiled eggs, and we would like you would like line up across and you would like crash them, and like the first person to crack theirs lost, and it was like a tournament that we would have, and uh, yeah, uh, and uh, that may not make sense to you, but we were super amped about it, and it was a very prideful thing for us, and so don't mock us or we'll we'll put you down uh, in a in an egg duel. Um, and we count on that. We could count on having like something, something special that we wore to church that morning. You could always know that on Easter Sunday, there are two songs you're definitely going to sing. One of them was Up From The Grave Heroes. You know? Up From The Grave Heroes. That one. And then, um, what was the other one? Uh, what's the other one? What's the other big Easter song? Come on, Baptist. Christ the Lord is risen today. You always sing those two, guaranteed. Um, and you could always, uh, always guarantee to see everyone else's special clothes as well. Sometimes there'd be some dresses, sometimes some hats. It was always just like this like big, big happy thing, and you knew those songs were going to be sung. You could just guarantee that, that there's going to be a lot of energy in the room on those mornings. And, um, you know, here our traditions are a little bit different, um, but I hope that our kids grow up knowing that that video is going to be played every Easter Sunday, you know, regardless. Um, uh, it's our 10th straight year, so high fives on us for establishing traditions such as that. Um, and on, the, on Easter Sunday, you always knew pretty much that the subject was going to be like the resurrection, right? Like it was kind of a given thing. And so, uh, but I want to talk about death. Isn't that appropriate to talk about on Easter? Because you can't talk about the resurrection without talking about death. But we don't like to talk about death. Death is not, it's not happy, it's not fun. Um, But from the very beginnings of the brokenness of the world around us, like in the very beginning of the Bible, we see, we see a couple of of factors. We see sin, we see uh, death, and we see Satan. We see all of those in the beginning. Um, Satan is there, is tempting Adam and Eve to rebel against God. They do, therefore they sin. And there's a verse in uh, Genesis 3, it's verse 19. Hang on. It's verse 19, and it's, uh, God tells Adam that you're going to return to the dust. I made you out of dust, you'll return to the dust. And so we see death entering into things. And, and those, those three um, I, I'm not really sure the best word to use because they're not uh, forces or what. I'm not really sure. But those three things, sin, death, and Satan, uh, have like been from the very beginning at the root of the brokenness of the world around us. Our internal brokenness, the things that we see around us everywhere. And we have been talking the last couple of weeks looking at how Jesus has systematically come and through the cross has dealt with sin and has dealt with Satan. And tonight we're going to talk about how he's dealt with death. 
that the very things that have been a part of our brokenness, he has come in and conquered uh, in a way that no one else could and in a way that is just incredibly worthy of celebration and those kinds of things. So you're in Hebrews 2, uh, and we're going to get there in just a second, but let me, let me kind of give a little bit of background. Um, there's a, there's a, a guy named John Owen who was, he lived in the 1600s. He was on faculty at Oxford, and he wrote a book called The Death of Death in the Death of Christ. Um, and I haven't read the book, but I've read the title. And I really like, um, yeah, I really like the thinking in terms of the, the death of death. And even that phrase has been, it's been woven into songs and sermons for, for a long, long time. That death has been put to death. And that is, is really kind of what we're going to focus in on right now. Um, we see death, as I said from the very beginning, it entered the world with sin, and Satan was the uh, originator of that stuff. Uh, you don't need to turn, and these won't even be on the screen, but we just see a couple of things. In, uh, in Romans 5, um, we see these phrases that will say, Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin... So death spread to all men because all sinned. That death had a, had a point of origin. It entered into our world. Um, it says that death reigned from Adam to Moses. That there's this reigning thing that, that, that death brings into our world around us. Um, it, says by many, uh, it says many died through one man's trespasses. That, that from Adam's sin that has brought death to all of us. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says very similar things. By a man came death, and Adam all die. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. But we don't often talk about death. We deal a lot with sin. Um, and as I talked about last week, we don't get into like Satan and demons and that kind of stuff a whole, a whole lot uh, for a lot of reasons, you know, probably. And death is another one that we try and avoid uh, a whole lot. But we just need to, to all be on the same page that God did not create us to die. God created us to live. Death entered in to our existence, and we were born into this world um, with sin inside of us, but we were born to die, basically. And from a very young age, a lot of us are faced with our own mortality. Um, Satan is the author of sin. Uh, He's the author of rebelling against God. He's also the author of death, which is to be separated from God, who is the source of life for all things. That's what death is. Um, and from the very beginning of our lives, uh, death has had the final word. That death is the, it's the last thing. And you know that. And we probably all remember our first funerals to go to, the first few people that we knew that passed away, and those first encounters with death. Sometimes it's a pet, sometimes it's a person. But, but I think we all remember the first time we were confronted with mortality. And then you realize, like, oh, I'm, I'm in that same camp. Like my life, I'm going to progressively get older and older and older, and at some point I'm going to die. We don't like to think about that. We like to put that off. We don't like to get into that. But eventually that's coming for all of us. And so death has the last word in the world that we were born into. Um, and uh, so just to kind of think, uh, think in these terms, um, death and our fear of death has led to a lot of really bad and difficult things. Um, the fear of death leads to uh, at least a lot of violence. You know, kill or be killed. 
uh, survival mentality. And, and I'm not necessarily talking about if someone, someone comes at you, you know, that kind of thing. But just in general, there is this, like a lot of the violence and fighting that we see in our world, it's all about wanting to keep living. And so someone else or a group of people or a country or whatever, they're a threat to you continuing to live the life that you want to live. And so you uh, act violently toward them. And all of that is coming out of this fear of death. Um, a lot of our self-perceptions and anxieties and depressions and self-worth and search for those things and materialism, a lot of that stuff finds its origin within us in the fact that we know that we are destined to die. And so we're desperately trying to make the most of the time that we have on this earth. We're desperately wanting to, um, to push death as far away as we can from us. And so all these things we're trying to do, some of them are healthy, you know, like, Eat, eat well, you know, those kind of things. That's good. You want to live a long life. But there's some things when, we're, when it gets really, really weird for us. It becomes sinful. It becomes uh, something where we're, we're depressed, we're anxious, we're worried, we're, finding, we're looking for idols and things to try and convince us that we're not really going to die. The clock is really not ticking, you know. Of, uh, summer before last in summer community groups uh, the one that I did was on fear and so I got to go to every community group and talk about fear and in every single circumstance the number one answer that people gave about things that they are deeply afraid of it's always about losing a spouse or losing a child it's always about death um, and that's not an indictment against this it's just a just a fact that that was the most answered thing that whole summer and even even the fact that we don't like to talk about it the fact that you wish I had picked another topic uh, is proof that, that this is, it has a power over us. Um, and even in the midst of our beliefs as Christians, and you may be here and not be a Christian, but you just need to know that even Christians uh, struggle with this idea. And we like to wave the banner and say, I'm not afraid of death, I'm afraid of dying. You know, that that's, I'm afraid of the process that leads to it. And I I, I got to call shenanigans on that. I don't think that that's at all the case for everyone all the time, that we are just, con- just worried about the dying process. Because in that, we come face-to-face with what we believe. We become face-to-face with our captor, um, death. We are um, enslaved to it. So look, you're in Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. That's a nice little tucked away verse in there, right? Through fear of death were subject to a life time of enslavement to death because we're just afraid all the time to the point where we push it in the back of our minds and we don't like to think about it or talk about it and when someone passes away we have to go to a funeral and we have to help people grieve we're so uncomfortable with it sometimes because you don't know what to say um, and that's because you really there's nothing you can say Um, but we are terrified of that, because we know at some point that is our destiny as well, and that enslavement that leads to those those acts of violence in some parts of the world, but but sometimes it, it leads to uh, it leads 
to hoarding, you know, that there are parts of the world where food is not getting to people that it needs to get to because it's staying close to those who are in power and control, and it's because they want to keep living. They don't care if those people die. They want to keep, to keep it there. And then in our own fears and anxieties and worries, we're there, and we, like, the more you start to think about it, and I hope that you will think about it past, you know, today, we really are enslaved to that fear of what's going to happen. Not just to other people, but to ourselves as well. And so look at, look at these verses. Look at, at how the cross deals with death. Verse 14, when he talks about the children, he's talking about us, like humanity. It says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood. Okay, so since, since the children of God are humans, it says he himself likewise partook of the same things. In other words, uh, Jesus took on flesh and blood to become like us. Um, and so he, um, it, we're flesh and blood, so he says in order to redeem them and save them, I'm going to also become flesh and blood because that's what it would take for him. And so this is talking about the cross. It's talking about his sacrifice, how he is the, he is the embodiment of the new covenant. That when a covenant is made, you, had the, you would have two, two parties who were making the covenant uh, and then there would be a, a sacrifice that was made between them, and blood would be shed. And so Jesus comes. He is representing God as the covenant maker. He's representing humanity because he is 100% man. And he himself was the sacrifice. His blood was the blood that was shed to make the covenant. And so this is talking about how he, um, he, he came here to be the sacrifice, to be one of us, in order to redeem us and save us. And this verse gets into exactly like one of the things that he came to, to fix. It says that, that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That in order to destroy the devil, in order to destroy Satan, he would use his own creation against him. That Satan came up with this rebellion against God, and so Jesus came and took that sin upon him, and through him completely soaking up all of the, the wrath of God and all the things that were coming against um, this, like the sin nature, he took all that upon himself and basically used sin against the devil. So it was through becoming sin that Jesus defeated the work of the devil and defeated sin. And now he's saying, and now death, he was like, I'm going to defeat death by dying. That, that's how you overcome death, is through your own death. And so Jesus has come, he's taken on flesh and blood, and he has decided in order to conquer the devil and death, I'm just going to take it all. I'm going to take the best that he has to give me. I'm going to take all the sin, all the accusation, everything that Satan and sin and death have to offer. I'm just going to take it all upon myself, and I'm going to die. And through that death, there will be this liberty that sin will no longer control because he proved that he's the boss of sin and he's decided no more. That Satan will not have the, his run of the earth. That Jesus has come in and he has bound up uh, Satan. Uh, Jesus tells this, this, um, this, uh, has this beautiful line where he says, can you, can you rob a strong man's house? He says, no, you have to go in and first you have to bind him up, tie him up, and then you just plunder all of his things. That Jesus has come into this earth, he has bound up Satan, and now he is just plundering all the works of the devil 
by saving everyone that wants faith in Jesus. So all of us who are saved, we are the plunder that Jesus has won. And so he's overcome sin by taking on sin. He's overcome Satan by taking on Satan. He's overcome death by taking on death. And so back to the verse. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. He says, hey, that thing that you're totally afraid of, I've delivered you from it. That death no longer has the last word. This is the death of death. That today, on Easter Sunday, we celebrate the fact that on Friday, Jesus died. And on Sunday, he was raised from the dead. That in his death, you and I died. If you're a Christian, you're, like, you died with Christ. You've been identified in that death. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, he's raised you from the dead. And if you're not a Christian... If you're not a follower of Jesus, that invitation is yours as well. That the sin and the work of the enemy and death that was put onto Jesus, that your, your sin, your um, willingness to go along with the influence of the enemy, your death was put onto him as well. And so when he died, you died too. And he says, if you want your death to have been there as well, then just say the word. And when God raised Jesus from the dead on Sunday, death has no longer, like it no longer has that enslavement. It no longer has the final word over your life and in my life. It is literally, like John Owen said, the death of death. There are some other places uh, in the Bible where it talks about it. If you would, if you would go to John chapter 11... Let me read a few other passages that talk about the death of death. I read this one at the beginning. Um, It's Isaiah 25, 7 and 8. It says, "And, And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all people, the veil that is spread over all nations, that over all the nations of the earth there is this veil that has been spread, and it is this fear of death That we have been veiled to it, this belief that death has the final word. And a part of the prophetic uh, nature of what is being said here, and a part of what Jesus has done, verse 8 says, He will swallow up death forever. He will swallow up death forever. That he has like ingested it, you know, like it's, it's completely gone. There is no more death that's there for those who are in Christ. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. That that was a part of the prophecy that they were holding on to, is that sin would be dealt with, and then the Messiah would come, but that death would, would stop having this control over everyone. 1 Corinthians 15, we have uh, the same, like very similar thing. It says, when, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality... Then shall come to pass a saying that is written, Death is swallowed up 
in victory. When mortals take on this immortality, uh, which cannot happen apart from like, divine work, it's because death has been swallowed up in victory. It says, O oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That the death of death has happened, and he has invited us into that victory. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That there was this death that has come to us, that we were born into, that we were born outside of the Garden of Eden, separated from God, and he met us in our death through his own death. And we have been raised to walk in new life with him. John five twenty four, um, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Eternal life is one of those phrases we throw around so much in church, but think about it. Like life forever. Life reconnected to God as our source of all things Forever. It says, he does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. And then you're in John chapter 11. This is the, where we find the story of, of Lazarus, and, 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 you know, who, is, is, who has died and is raised from the dead. And we're not going to look at the whole story, but look at this kind of middle part of the story. Um, that he goes to see uh, Martha and Mary, um, who are sisters of Lazarus. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here... My brother would not have died. <laughs> she got some guts, okay? So she tells Jesus, if you had only been here, this wouldn't have happened. Now, maybe that wasn't her attitude. Maybe, maybe this was a, a huge uh, demonstration of her faith. Maybe she was like, maybe she just knew that, that Jesus was, would be, have been able to keep him from death. Or maybe she had attitude. Who knows? Okay, either way. Um, verse 22 it says, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. There's going to come a day way in the future when he's going to rise again. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. So resurrection is not really, it's not like this thing that happens. Resurrection is a person. So he's kind of clarifying, hold on, there isn't this event that's going to happen one day, um, and I'm going to like knock over the first domino for it to happen. He's like, I'm literally the resurrection. Like I'm going, to, I'm going to take the identity and souls of all the people onto me, and so when I'm raised from the dead, I'm literally bringing everyone to life. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That is amazing. You believe in me, and even though you die, you live. And that's kind of the hard part, I think, is that Jesus, raised from the dead, sin, we've been freed from sin's power over us, but yet we still have to wrestle. So now we're free to, we're free to love God and choose God and, and live uh, not in rebellion, but in unity with God, but we're also still free to keep rebelling. There's this kind of tension that's there. Satan has been bound up as the strong man, and so he, he, know, he is 
like not like just running wild with like power and all that kind of stuff, but he's still at work. And we've been freed from our enslavement to the fear of death, but yet we're still getting older and we're still going to die at some point in some way. That is most of the time very mysterious to us. It's this gray kind of area out in front of us in our futures that we don't like to think about. So Jesus has done this, this amazing work through the cross, but yet we still are living with the repercussions of all those things. And so we kind of live in this overlap between, uh, like between what he has done and then it being like completely like, like worked out. And so, yeah, we still battle with the enemy. We still battle with sin, learning to live like saints. And we still are going to die. But Jesus says, even though you die, you live. That's what he said about Lazarus. That's what he, that's what he says. You believe in me, even though you, even though you die, you live. That death does not have the final word. That sin does not have you captive anymore and that your enemy has been bound up. That we live in these realities and they're hard to think about. You know, they're hard to kind of know what that even means sometimes. And so life in Christ is a part, in part us learning how to live with these new freedoms. Free from power, sin's power over us, free from the enemy, free from this like, fear of death. And it takes a while. But if we can believe what's written in red, you know, if we can believe that even though we die, we live, then the resurrection of Jesus makes a massive difference in our day-to-day lives. That Easter Sunday is all the time. Let me give you, let me give you three really practical things walking away from this. Um, Three of many ways that the resurrection and our freedom from enslavement to our fear of death impacts life. The first one, first one is just the word hope. That Jesus is alive and so our hope never ever fades away. That even though we die, we live. If Jesus can once and for all deal with sin and Satan and death, he can handle whatever you're going through right now. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that encouraging? Maybe? It should be. That our hope is never, it's never gone. Even sometimes it might feel like it's gone and it might look like it and you're Circumstances, you might be able to make a list of why that hope is gone, but it's never gone because Jesus is a living Savior. His resurrection from the dead is a historical fact. I mean, there are hundreds of people that saw him and attested to it. That is, like, people were, like, crucified because of their belief in this, and they refuse to, like, to say, no, we're just making it up, we're just making it up. I mean, it's historically a thing. And so whatever it is that you're walking through right now, if 
if he can deal with sin and the devil and death, I mean, if he can deal with death, nothing, nothing is irreversible in our world today except that. Like, it's, it's pretty final. And he took the most final thing that's ever existed and, like, un- unraveled it. That through his death, he put death to death. And God raised him to walk in new life. And so, you and I have got to let that speak to us. We, really, we have to be able to say, like really sit down and say, Lord, I don't, I don't know how this can be a hopeful thing right now, but because you are alive, and because you can handle uh, sin and the enemy and death, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure you can handle this too. So that's one way Jesus being alive makes a difference. Second thing, um, I just put down the word perspective. And here's the one that, that probably uh, um, is maybe like is difficult. You know, because you can, you can kind of get into a good place and realize, okay, I do have hope because Jesus is alive. You know, you can kind of get there. But perspective is kind of is different. Because when we really believe that death has lost its power over us and we are freed from our enslavement to fearing death and the devil and sin and all that stuff. And what that means is that we as Christians will literally live forever. And so our perspective on the things that we're doing in the here and now, it, it has to shift, okay? We live in a world that, is, that makes decisions. And, yeah, let's go, let's go with make decisions. That makes decisions as though this life is it. So we have, um, we have people who are, are choosing to, let's, let's say, go into massive amounts of debt as Americans. Because they are convinced that this life is all there is. And so they are trying to make the most of this life here. And so to become obsessed with materialism or appearance or social status or uh, accomplishments and all these kinds of things, when we're obsessed by that, in part, uh, like it's not, it's not inherently sinful. So if that is like, if Jesus is leading you to uh, those kinds of things, you know, that's one thing. But if you're being driven by this, this belief that, you know what, I mean, I, I hope that heaven is like legitimately a thing. And I hope that God really, like Jesus really does come here and make this earth new. And that eternity is real. And that we'll be free from all these things forever. And that like it will just literally go on and on and on for all time. I hope that those things are true. But just in case they're not. I'm going to live out my enslavement to the fear of death. In great amounts of debt. <laughs> and being obsessed over, uh, you know, like I said, appearances and keeping up with other people and all those kinds of things. I'm going to find my identity in these temporary things because what if, what if it's not true? Like, I just want to, I want to make the most of my time here, you know. Which, like I said, it, that can be a holy, a holy thing. It can also be driven by... A lot of pride and idolatry and all those kinds of things. 
And so our perspective, like the resurrection should bring for Christians, it should bring this perspective on today. And the decisions that we're making, and the course for our lives that we are plotting, it's like, Lord, I, I know that eternity is, a, I believe that it is a real thing. I know that this world is very temporary, and I only have so much time here. And so while I'm here, I want to be obedient to the things you call me to do. And there are, are times when, I don't know if you're like this, but like anytime I, like, uh, if I travel to like parts of America that uh, are, might be more beautiful than here, <laughs> there's a few of them, uh, and, and like you, I always have a thought, I'm like, why don't I live here? You know, like when you see a mountain, like not on a picture, but like in person, you're like, whoa. And someone's like, that's not a, that's, that's a hill, dude. You're like, oh, so, to me it's a mountain. Cause I'm from Louisiana, you know. And you see these landscapes and you have these places where like the, like it never is like 97 degrees and 100% humidity for like a month straight. Um, and you have all these, these things in other places, and there's a part of me always that's just like, like pretty much every, every August and September, I just, I'm like, why do I live here? I just, you're just sweating all the time. I'm like, why do I live here? You know? And the last couple of years, this is just sort of like how my own journey with some of these ideas is I'm starting to be like, well, I will have an eternity on a completely new planet, you know? And so what if for like 500 years in my future, I'm living right by a mountain? Just being like, there it is. I didn't have that in my however many little, like, like, like my brief stint on earth. But I have plenty of time to live in beautiful scenery. I have plenty of time to be with people that I love. I have plenty of time to be with people that I don't know. I have plenty of, plenty of time to do plenty of things without any of the hindrances of sin or the enemy or that fear of death that's lurking over me without any like physical limitations you know like I'm really hoping on the new earth I can dunk a basketball because that looks like an amazing thing <laughs> and like even on it like an eight foot goal I still I can't do it like my it's just it's not happening and I'm hoping to be able to dunk a basketball I'm hoping to do like goofy things like that on the new earth and there are so many times when that, that part of us that lives in like a first world country that gets hung up on all these kind of things and you're panicking because everyone around you seems to be doing certain things and you're comparing yourself and you get caught up in all this kind of stuff. And, and we really just need the Lord to whisper to us, hey, all of that stuff is fleeting. All of it. When Jesus says your treasures need to be stored up in heaven, Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Don't be afraid. Your father's great pleasure is to give you the kingdom. Just calm down. We can be obedient today and take all the what-ifs and put them to the side. If we are really convinced that, Je- that what Jesus says is true, that even though we die, we live. That even though we, we, um, we may not compare to people around us, we, we live. 
that our obedience is the most important thing that we're bringing to the table in terms of what does today look like? How, how, do, how am I making my decisions? For you guys who are, who are spouses, how is your family making decisions? If you have kids, those kinds of things. Are we being obedient or are we trying to keep up? Are we living as, as though this world is all there is to it? Or are we living as though eternity is out there and we'll have plenty of time to do plenty of things when Jesus comes back and fixes all this stuff? But for now, we're here with purpose and with intentionality. Can we take like him seriously that we have been freed from all those things and having to worry about it? That death does not get the last word. Jesus does. That sin does not reign. Jesus does. That Satan has been bound and his future is secure like ours is. And he may keep fighting, but it's pointless. Can our perspective on our lives be impacted by the fact that Jesus is alive and we have a small amount of time on this earth to glorify him, to make disciples of all nations, to take up our cross daily, follow him in self-denial and love and obedience. Can we be for real about that stuff? The resurrection speaks to all of it. And in times when we are immersed in the American dream, a lot of it is because we, believe, we, we want to believe death doesn't have the final word, but we're still, we're not quite convinced. And so we're like, well, just in case, I'm going to have fun while I'm here. And that is not life intended. That is not why Jesus went to the cross on Good Friday. So hope, perspective. And the last one, the last one is just simple, just worship. That your worship, not, not, not just like, I'm not talking about like singing, I'm talking about like this, this broad understanding of, that, of everything in our lives showing God his worth to us. In 1 Corinthians 15, 17, it says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. That by the power and mercy of God, you are not in your sins. Like you have not been left there. That Jesus has been raised. It says if he wasn't raised, then guess what? None of that stuff worked. But he has been raised, and so you have been raised. And that he alone is worthy. I mean, that there is a worth-ship in our lives. That because he lives, we live. And he gets everything. Our lives are not our own anymore. And I can go on and on and on with things that we have, that we have to like realize have been impacted by the resurrection of Jesus. But maybe we get the point. I don't, know where, I don't know where the death of death fits in with you, or the fear of death, or feeling enslaved to it. But the more I think about it, the more I see it in my own, my own life. I was reading, reading something today that was talking about how you know, death used to be such a regular part of life, and now we've tried to like contain it. People used to, they used to like get sick and pass away in their homes, cared for by their families. And the doctor might drop by from time to time. And now, you know, that happens in hospitals. And we don't like to go to hospitals, do we? Oh, we don't. And the people used to pass away and and, uh, they would have the wake and that kind of stuff in the parlor of their house. And everyone would come over and all that kind of stuff. And now we have like a funeral home. Like, no, that's, that's going to happen there. 
that cemeteries used to be right next to churches. That as you're walking to church, you're like a lot of times walking like right past those who had already passed away. And now churches don't think about that when it's time to build uh, their buildings and those kinds of things. Like we we want to separate it, we want to contain it. And I think Jesus says, "Hey, don't don't run from it." Realize that I've set you free from it, that I've overcome it, that death has died, and that even though you're going to die, and you are dying, in a sense, you really, you live. So, what do we do with it? I I don't know what you do with it. I'm kind of struggling with it in some ways, realizing how much, maybe I'm not convinced, but I want to be. And I bet you want to be too. I bet you want to be like, yeah, no, no, I'm dying. That's cool. But, but I'm going to live forever, so it's going to be okay. It might not be fun, but it's going to be okay. I want to be fully convinced of like, all the things that the gospel says to us, that God says through the cross to us. We've talked about you know, a number of different things throughout Lent. And when the disciples... There's this verse that says, like, when they realized it was him, they fell on the ground, they grabbed his feet, and they worshipped him. I was like, man, that's weird. They would grab his feet. But it was like this, like, tangible, like, he's really alive. Like, like that's how you know he's alive. In a few minutes, we're going to kind of do like we've done all through Lent, have a few different ways to respond. And one of them will be taking communion and I was thinking about it, I was like, that's so cool that they grabbed his feet, but like, we can't grab his feet. And yet he's given us the body and the blood in this bread and juice form, you know. And maybe for some of us, that's like, maybe we're grabbing his feet when we're realizing that he's really, he's really alive. Like, he's really overcome death. That you really are free from your enslavement to that fear. That Satan really has been bound. And that you really are not enslaved to sin anymore either. Like, maybe by taking hold of the bread and the juice... And worshiping him, maybe for you that's a tangible thing that you need tonight. And so Taylor's going to be down here in a minute, and it's the kind of communion where you like rip the bread off and you dip it in the in the cup and you take it yourself. And um, we do that on purpose because the body that was his body was ripped apart for us, and the blood was saturated there. And so it's supposed to be there's something special that happens in that moment. And so maybe, maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to be like those disciples. You need to grab on, like physically grab onto Jesus in the way that we can. Um, I'm not saying that it's like the literal body and blood there, but something special happens when you come to the table. That Jesus is saying, I'm here. And you're coming to him, you're being like, I know, I know. He's like, do you want this? You're like, yes. Or maybe you want to sing. Maybe you want to come and pray. What do you need to do to respond to the fact that, that Satan and your sin and your enslavement to the fear of death, all of those things are there. That no, The only one that has a final word about your life ever is Jesus. And he has come. And he wants you. Like he literally like wants you in his family, in his life. He wants that union that's there. And he is alive. He's not dead anymore. He died for sure. But he's not still there. Let's stand together.
Lord God, I don't... Uh, this feels, it feels like a strange Easter Sunday message. But in order to understand being resurrected from the dead, we have to understand that you died. Like you, you breathed your last and your body shut down and you died and you were buried. Jesus, we are so humbled and grateful for what you have done. We could not overcome our enslavement to sin and its power over us and you have freed us from that. We could not overcome the enemy who is constantly lying to us and tempting us and just driving this world toward rebellion against you. We, we can't fight that battle. And we definitely cannot overcome death. We definitely cannot escape uh, the power that death has had over us. And just by your grace and your mercy, you have overcome them all. Jesus, you did what we could not do you obeyed the Father, and we, we stand free and redeemed because of what you've done. But yet, it's a struggle, God. It's a struggle for all of us in this room. And I just pray on behalf of all of us that, that you would help us relax a little bit. That these are not easy, light little topics to talk about. Help us, help us to, to relax and just to let you encourage us. Remind us that because you're alive, there is hope in the world. There's hope in our situations. There's hope even when nothing else really looks like it. That could be true. Help us. Please help us in our perspective and the decisions that we make and the way that we live our lives. None of us who are Christians, none of us want to be the kind of people who don't believe you when you say that the new earth is real and heaven is happening and guaranteed. None of us want to be the kind of people that live as if this is all there is. But we struggle with it. We just need your help. We want to worship you. We want to show you our gratitude and our love. We want to, we want to grab hold of you like the disciples did and just worship Will you help us to become more convinced than we are in this moment? Of whatever it is, whatever the landing point is for us, will you help us to become more convinced? Would you overwhelm us with the reality that you, Jesus, are alive and you're here? that you love us and that you want to lead us as a faithful shepherd, as our redeemer king, as our friend? Do you help us as we sing or as we come to kneel and pray or as we step to the communion table? Would you help us to receive what you have for us? Your grace, your compassion, your love, your assurance. Would you give us courage to push through our doubts and our fears and our hesitation and the fact that we just kind of love possessions and we are 
obsessed with all these weird American ideas sometimes? Would you just help us to push past all that and leave it? And to become deeply convinced that though we die, we live. Because you live, we live, and will forever. Would you help us to respond to your goodness and your love and your mercy? We love you. We pray these and these things in your name. Amen. So you can come to the, to the table. You can come and kneel and pray. You can stand and sing. Let's just spend these next few moments letting the Lord remind us that death has died and Satan has been bound and sin no longer has a grip on us because of what he has done. So you respond as you need to as we spend our last few moments together tonight.